No earthly leader or politician can help us deal with a broken world, which is spiraling toward its final death. But Jesus does not come to put a bandage on this world or to buy drinks for the marginally alive and tell them that they have done good. He comes to raise the dead and restore all that has been lost. The kingdom we await is a kingdom in which the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and the poor hear good news. Jesus brings us a kingdom which is far better than what the world even dreams of. Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The title of this sermon on the third Sunday of Advent is Hopeful Expectations for God's Advent People. This is a sermon on Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Well, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Life often seems like we just cannot get ahead. It, I can easily remember rounding the corner of the 2020 calendar last year, getting ready for the new year, 2021, and thinking like many people, I am glad that year 2020 is almost done. <laughs> it's almost over. What a bad year, a plague year. Uh, a year from hell, some said dismissively, uh, as, as so many things went south that, that year. Uh, so 2021 has got to be better than 2020, right? I remember listening to the chatter on the Internet and other people saying, you know, good riddance 2020, hello 2021. Well, maybe you wisely kept your expectations down and low so as not to get disappointed? (laughs) Or did your high hopes for a better year get squashed? Like, and now we're getting ready to finish 2021. And those missed expectations for a better year have only led to disappointment, some disappointment. Life often seems like we cannot get ahead. Maybe you have tried Uh, changing jobs or a career or you've modified certain behavioral uh, changes after listening to that self-help podcast or that self-help book and you found that what you expected of yourself or in your situation, your circumstances, did not turn out so well and you found out that the, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Or your expectation for a better relationship in your family, your marriage or your family, or, or, or better health or a certain outcome, it, it just didn't pan out. Or you had expected to get all this work done at home or on the ranch, or, but life happened. And it didn't work out according to plan. Failure to realize your expectations resulted in disappointment and maybe even anger. Now, the previous two Sundays have given us an opportunity to reflect on the watchfulness for the final coming of the Son of Man and on the appearance and mission of John the Baptist. So this gospel of the third Sunday of Advent brings these two figures 
the, the coming of the Son of Man and the, John the Baptist, these two figures together, and addresses then the matter of expectations from a variety of perspectives. John's expectations of the Messiah, the crowd's expectations of John, and this generation's expectations of Jesus. So, of course, this is Advent, and we proclaim the hopeful expectation of this Jesus to God's Advent people. Where will our expectations of Jesus and his kingdom lead us? Will those expectations be fulfilled, or will missed expectations only lead us to feeling something like that has been our experience these past two years? a feeling of you know, disappointment uh, or a feeling of being let down in some cases. So let's look at the three main expectations in our text from Luke today, and I'm reading from the longer version for this Sunday, which includes, well, this is chapter 7, if you want to look it up in the Bible, uh, chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. So there are three subsections in the text, and they form a, very, uh, a, a natural outline of which we'll follow. But throughout, this, there's this strong sense of expectation, and uh, there's this underlying thread of disappointment that makes this passage really well-suited for us, for the encouragement of God's Advent people. So let's start with the first expectation. This is John's expectation of the Messiah. And John, verse 19, then calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Verses 18 through 23 are probably the most familiar to us. Uh, we are given no reason to think that John has lost faith. And yet there is also no reason to think that this is not John's question, as if he were asking it, you know, for the sake of his disciples. Uh, the question is honest. It's straightforward, sincere, and genuine. And neither, look at the Lord's response. The Lord's response, he does not condemn uh, John's question. Uh, he does not uh, call John to repentance. He does not warn him or chastise him. It's an equally honest, straightforward listing of the evidence by which the question may be answered. Verse 22, and he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And then the response closes with a blessing, personal, direct in the singular for the one who finds in Jesus no stumbling block, no reason to lose faith, hope, or heart. Verse 23, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. We, that is God's Advent people, are the blessed ones. We are not offended by Jesus, but rather we receive him by faith and with joy. Jesus sends the disciples of John back to him with a message of hope. And as Paul wrote about hope, Romans 5, verse 5, hope does not put us to shame. 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And this hope is in Christ, in Jesus, and his kingdom. It does not put us to shame, does not disappoint, does not let us down. The daughter of Jerusalem, the church, will shout for joy. God knows the enemies that you and I face. Even the interior demons and the idols which tempt us. And this does not hang on you and I uh, and me getting this right, but on his work, on Christ's work. The blind do see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. Jesus does not come just to deal with your and my naughtiness, but with every problem that you and I have. All the darkness which you and I find in our hearts to bring us back to the language of the collect of the day. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation, or that is, his presence. I mean, amen and amen. Second expectation, and this is found in the middle section, verses 24 through 27, the crowd's expectations of John. It addresses, this midsection addresses the crowd's assessment of John. We could summarize by borrowing John's own question. What do you think of John? Was he a prophet sent by God or should you have looked for another? You know, after the, the emissaries of, from John had left, he addressed the crowd and gave his take on John. John is a prophet, a great prophet, no reed blowing in the wind, no softy who compromised with the system. He was a real man of integrity and, and courage. John, or Jesus then tells us that John is the one of whom Malachi, the prophet Malachi wrote about. He was the greatest of those born to women, but he is less than the least in the kingdom of God. And more about that meaning of that phrase later. But today, let's think about this. Today, God comes to, to me and to you. He is in our midst. He has strengthened our hands. He has quieted us with his love. After listening too long, perhaps to our own songs of despair that we sing to ourselves, we, we turn at this time during Advent, we turn our ears to God and tune our hearts to listen in and wonder to the mighty one who exalts over you and me with loud singing to borrow from Zephaniah. Because you belong to Jesus. And with God-given courage, John could face imprisonment and his own execution. Saints of God have faced their enemies with courage and assurance. They have sung on their way to face lions and the cruel swords of gladiators. That same courage-giving Jesus comes to you and, and to me today in the same faithful relationship to every generation starting with the generation of the apostles and then all the way down to this generation. And that leads us to the next expectation, the third expectation. This is the last section of our text. And 
This expectation is the generation's expectations of Jesus. What then to make of this final section of the text? Jesus wonders what to do with that generation. John they did not like because he was outside the mainstream. Jesus they also critique for being inside the culture. There is no pleasing these people. Yeah, he must have been shaking his head. But then he has this uh, some, somewhat interesting saying at the very end, verse 35, but wisdom will show her fruit. Her children, that would be John the messenger, Jesus the coming one, and all who believe in this messenger and the coming one will bear witness to her wisdom, and they will justify her. So let us think a little bit about our own generation. The world in which we live operates by a certain set of rules, and we know them. We are so used to them that we think they are normal. Politicians come to power and promise something different, and pretty soon we realize it is not different. And the psalmist exhorts us not to put our trust in princes, Psalm 146. They are not going to solve the problems, not the real problems. Some are better than others, but at best they are coping mechanisms, helping us deal with a broken world, which is spiraling toward its final death. Uh, Pastor Phil Brandt had this wonderful, um, well, I, I want to quote him. He put it this way, but Jesus, contrasting Jesus with uh, our generation's uh, leaders. Uh, but Jesus and our, our society's approach to dealing with its brokenness. But Jesus does not come to put a bandage on this world or to buy drinks for the marginally alive and tell them that they have done good. He, he comes to raise the dead and restore all that has been lost. Now, the kingdom that we await is a kingdom in which the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the poor hear good news. Jesus brings us a kingdom which is far better than the world, than what the world even dreams of. So this text, this gospel for this third Sunday of Advent really directs our hopes and expectations, and I think that we fail in one of two ways. First, we fail by setting our hopes and dreams too low. And secondly, we properly calibrate our hope, but our hopes, but then we push them off into some distant future, and then which we're not sure will ever happen. So let's take the first one. The first sort of problem belongs to the social justice warrior or the political scientist who imagines that we can establish a good, perhaps not a perfect, but a good society. If we only tinker with the laws, we build this or that program, we can make a difference. Now, we cannot really do anything about slavery or the injustices of the past. So we ought to, do, ought to go for second best and call it good. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Doing something to alleviate suffering and helping folks who have been stomped on is a good thing. 
I always encourage any effort to bring about what is good and fair. But is this the very kingdom of God? Well, not yet, at least not in its fullness. At best, it will be an echo, a dim foreshadowing of the kingdom to come. At worst, it may not even be his kingdom at all. Jesus is not content with half measures. A white stick and braille on the doorways and public spaces is not the sight that God has in mind for the blind. He comes to restore sight. On the other hand, we often say, well, yeah, God will fix it all in the end. So I, I don't need to do much today. This effectively puts God's kingdom in then into a, a future sense, which has no impact on the now. And this kind of thinking displays a sort of Christian complacency. The Christian holds a strange tension. God is going to solve every one of the problems which confronts me and the rest of humanity. Heaven, the kingdom of God, of which I await, is a place of such perfect bliss. But being drawn into that kingdom, I find my compassion and, and love for my neighbor, for the vulnerable, for the poor, and the frail is increased. Being a citizen of heaven makes me increasingly uncomfortable with the sinful suffering of this earthly life. So I will join. And you would join Jesus in alleviating that suffering right now. So Jesus says that the least child, the infant in arms, right, within the kingdom of God, is greater, is greater than even John the Baptist, greater in terms of his or her capacity? Well, can they just do more because we are in the kingdom now? John was the greatest of, of the Old Testament prophets, but the waters of baptism into the name of Jesus confers something even greater than John upon the person baptized. We are no longer just repenting of our problems. We are participating in their solution. Now, I, I want to be part of the suffering of this world, caring for the sick, the needy, the poor, the frail, because I am part of God's solution and will witness its fulfillment. I know that poverty will end. So I fight against hunger, the deprivations of hunger and homelessness today. I know that cancer and heart disease will be defeated. So I am given to care for those who suffer from it now. So a final question that we can ask in all of our congregations, in each of our congregations, is this. What is our congregation doing to make this world, and especially your community, a better place? Over the past year and a half, I have seen and heard about many such actions taken by God's Advent people. Just to highlight a few, I've witnessed members feeding the hungry, encouraging the downcast, uh, raising funds for those who have suffered from fire or virus, building community, giving scholarships to high school seniors, teaching the young and the old alike, the gospel of Jesus, visiting the bereaved, the isolated. I could give many more examples. These are the fruits of the hopeful expectations of God's Advent people. These are echoes and foreshadowing of the kingdom which is coming 
to that which you expect to come until the day that when all these things all pass away in Jesus' glorious light. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.